Welcome to episode 209 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the fallout from the Australian and New Zealand withdrawal from the 2021 Rugby League World Cup. Rugby League being touted as an Olympic sport in the 2032 Brisbane Games, the retirement of Roger Tuivasa Shek, and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 209 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we, we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you going this week? It's week five of the Sydney lockdown. Bonjour, Dr. T. Just been here. Konnichiwa, Dr. T. Watashiwa, Jinku Deska, Ojin Desko. Hello, Dr. T. I'm well. How are you? <laughs> I think you've got Olympic fever. Is that is that what this is? The Olympics are upon us. Is that what you're talking about? You, this this odd combination of French followed by English followed by Japanese uh, in, <laughs> in every kind of. Uh, did you did you catch the opening ceremony? We oui. hi yes, <laughs> that's as far as okay. Yeah, I did, and it was uh, look. To be honest, it was quite spectacular. <coughs> I like the. I think it was the eighteen hundred uh, light drones that they. Oh uh, yeah, the drones. Yeah, amazing. They, they they flew and yeah into into a world, um, you know type type thing, and then they had like a couple of different symbols, um, and I'm just looking forward to the. Uh, Entertainment that the NRL Grand Final will dish up this year after watching that spectacular uh, opening ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Well, you know, the, there was there there is something uh, there is something a bit ironic about the fact that the Tokyo Olympics organizers managed to pull off a ma- magnificent technological feat in that drone uh, kind of arrangement, globe arrangement. Uh, at the same time as uh, there's been you know, constant kind of technical issues and and poor coverage of uh, of all the Australians playing uh, from Channel Seven on our end, so it's like you know the the technical prowess of Japan versus the the sh- the amateurism mm. of what we we get at this end, uh, you know it's, it's quite a contrast. But uh, but yeah, look. Uh, what can the NRL do? Look, I, uh, before we go on about that, I I wanted to ask you, so we saw Naomi Osaka, uh, it very simple, you know, it was an appeal to the star power of Naomi Osaka to be there and light the, the, the cauldron, the flame um, in the stadium. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was a beautiful technological you know, kind of opened up like a bit of a wasn't meant to represent like it's almost like a lotus leaf kind of thing. It opened up. Mm. It was just really, really nice looking. Uh, very well done. Very classy. Uh, but I, I must admit, Tish, I was a little bit disappointed uh, that they didn't take the opportunity to to get uh, 
uh, the karate kid there to karate chop uh, something and light the flame with yeah. uh, with his uh, famous pelican kick. Uh, really, really disappointed. I mean, this is the first time that, mm. that Japan has had the games since the Karate Kid movies. Uh, wow. You know, they could have had the Casa Cobra Kai come out. Mm. I don't know. There's just so much I'm very disappointed about. But, uh, look, what did you think, in all seriousness, what did you think about the uh, the the cauldron? Yeah, look, I, I thought, uh, yeah, I uh, it was yeah, as you said, simplistic. I think the whole the whole thing was simplistic. Like I mean, it was it was like uh, revolutionary in technology. But I think I think simplism was kind of a bit of a theme. Um, you know, they had like yeah, uh, minimalism, minimalism, minimalism yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah and they had I like, agree. The, yeah, and they had like you know the guy, um, you know, people sort of exercising, um, you know, <laughs> on a treadmill, and that was like part of the entertainment. And then um, you know, <laughs> but like, they were socially distant. Yeah, that was, yeah. Did, you, did you get the symbolism of it? Socially distant but connected. Yes, yeah, actually, yeah, that's right, that's right. And there was a lot of symbolism, and some of it did go over the top of my head. Um, I've got to say, you know, they. What did they you think about, of? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they talked about like they had this red, uh, all these sort of strings and and like ropes, and they were all red, and it was supposed to symbolize connections and different parts of the body and how the, and and I kind of um I kind of just wanted the athletes to march right. Um, <laughs> you, know, like, you, you knew it was going to take two hours to do just that anyway so yeah and like just to see the countries and and what i like about watching the the countries obviously the outfits but i like i like the watching the countries who make no effort you know where you've got like uh everybody dressed <laughs> up completely differently to each other and 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 you know it's just like um you know people are struggling to hold up the flag and uh you know there's always a you know a yeah, I'm assuming it's a Japanese lady, like Japanese volunteer, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of pushing them along at you the know? back, at the at back, the, at the back, taking all the glory, you know. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of Look, crazy. What did you think about the uh, the the? Is it uh, who was it? Uh, Giorgio Armani design. <laughs> Pizzas on the chest of the Italian. Did you see the Italian? Oh my ones? god! Yeah. That was that was. I think that's up there with the best of all time. I, I got to say, <laughs> because yeah. not only it, it it's a it's it's a ridiculous. It looks like Teletubbies. <laughs> so they look. I actually, I think I called them Italitubbies because that's what it looked like. It it's got a reference to the Japanese flag with the 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 red in the middle, but it's got the colors of the italian flag in inside the red dot that you would normally see but not not just the colors like straight you know they could have just done a straight stripes down within mm. the circle but no they had to take it further and go let's turn it into a pizza it looks like a piece of pizza but not a complete <laughs> piece of pizza one with mm. a piece missing so like wow. it's just like layer upon layer of classy intelligent design yeah. uh and which just ends up looking ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love that. I thought it was one of the best things I've seen. So um, yeah, what, what, what I want to see is the drawing table uh, of like you know this is the best design that we picked <laughs> out of. I want to see the other options they had. Yeah. What right, what didn't they, make the cut in? What didn't what, make it? What, what did about the cut? And, and you know even like uh, there was a some of these South Pacific islands. I mean, there's only a few different um, people that are representing. But I think one one gentleman had uh, you know flagbearer. He had um no shirt on um you know and obviously his grasp but this is when covid meets culture right um but he had a mask on so 
Is this not the guy with the oil all over him that people yeah. keep talking about? Yeah, that's, that's his third. That's his third Olympics or something. I think he's already been there twice. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But look, you know, we are definitely getting into the Olympic spirit. Uh, look, ultimately, the Olympics is about uh, you know what, what's the motto now? I think they've changed. They said they updated it: faster, higher, stronger, together. Wow, <laughs> which which is kind of like uh, if you were to give those words to a kid, the the mm. question would be like in the Naplan test, it would be which one's the odd one out. <laughs> it's like, well, the other things relate to doing things better, but together just means together. <laughs> like it, it's a, it's the odd one out. But yeah. look, I get what they're trying to do, and and just in reference to your, you know, the red the red, uh, it was almost like elastic bands uh, that they were doing the red uh, kind of artistic show that they were doing. Um, I, I think I actually thought it was very clever that one because I thought uh, it probably refers to the fact that like like an elastic band, it doesn't. Um, it's only useful when you 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 pull it apart. <laughs> it's only it's only useful when you stretch it. And so I think that was trying to say, you know, by being socially distant, we're we're keeping like we're actually functioning properly uh you know so i think that was what they were trying to say or something to do with social distancing but uh but look i gotta say um you know i also like the pictogram things that they did where they mm. they they went through all the different sports and and um you know how would you say mimed them acted them out yeah. uh in a in a kind of a in a kind of a, you know, I think the former members of Daft Punk or something, you know, like you can't see their faces. They were just covered in dots or whatever it was. I thought it really looked good. So I thought very clever. Look, I think they should get, I think they should get those people in you, in reference to what you said before, Mm. the NRL grand final could do a lot worse this year than getting those people who acted out those sports and getting them to do a bit of a routine about, uh, you know, recreating some mm. of the most memorable rugby league moments in history. I mean, you know, I want to see yeah. one where they do the the 2005 grand final Benji Marshall flick, flick to pass, um, yeah. the flick pass. I want to see, I want to see the, uh, the many you know, Elias the, miss on the goal kick. The, 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 oh, you had to, you had to go there. I, I wanted to avoid the tiger, the 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 bad part of the tigers but look okay. you know or, or the uh you know the famous uh, scotty sattler tackle mm. um on uh whoever that was from the roosters uh you know all that, those kinds of things and maybe even some state of origin ones but you know even if you just to stick to the grand final memories you got so many i mean you know yeah. like the the way that uh that the famous andrew johns last minute uh to darren albert uh, uh yeah. in the 97 grand final you know all these sort of things so I reckon the NRL could do a lot worse than than going to those guys and saying, "Hey, uh, you know, once the Olympics is over, how do you mind coming over here for a bit and uh, recreating some of our magic moments uh, as as pictograms?" I mean, I think I think there's a there's an opportunity there. So there you go. I but think look, so. they need to get somebody from like the performing arts to design the entertainment, right? Because I feel like uh, it's just like book and act. That's it, <laughs> right? That that that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as the there's no entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But shall we? Move well, on I mean, about rugby league. I think. I think let's yeah. talk about rugby league. Of of course, there's a lot to talk about. So let's jump into it. So here we go. Tackle number one. The news update. All 
right. So the big piece of news, which we will do a bit of a deep dive on later, but the big piece of news that has shocked, rocked the world of rugby league is that uh, Australia and New Zealand have withdrawn from this year's Rugby League World Cup in England. They're saying it is simply too unsafe to travel due to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Australia, who has won a, the tournament a record 11 times and 2008 champions New Zealand, uh, were due to head for the United Kingdom this autumn to take part. Well, this autumn, I guess, over there. Though. <laughs> yeah. This, this must be a UK uh, website. Uh, yeah, springtime. <laughs> to take part in the tournament, which is scheduled to get underway on October 23. So this is still three months away. Um, however, with COVID-19 infection rates in our nation rising, especially in Sydney, of course, and New South Wales, uh, both Australia and New Zealand have decided not to travel and have repeated calls for the competition to be postponed until next year. Uh, big piece of news, rocked the world of mm. rugby league. There has been a lot of um, there's been a lot of a backlash <laughs> against the uh, the uh, ARL commission against the NRL. A lot of people saying that it's because. Uh, uh, it's actually due to the NRL teams not wanting to, uh, you know, put their players in harm's danger, in harm's way. Uh, and so it is more like a selfish thing as opposed to, you know, other things. Let's not forget that the NRL was the first uh, game, big game, uh, to come back from the first wave of the coronavirus pandemic last year. Uh, it made waves in doing so and in doing so safely. Uh, and here we are a year later, and our I think it's fair to say two of our top teams in uh, World Rugby League uh, have decided to not participate when at the same time we're talking about a an Olympic Games happening in Tokyo. Mm. We also have seen recently a big soccer tournament, the Euro Cup, happening in uh, you know, if you in England, in the, in the very same country that this is going to, this rugby league World Cup is going to be played. So quite rightly, people are kind of questioning mm. uh, the motives and looking at it and thinking, well, you know, it may be unsafe, but um, how how have other big sports been able to pull things off successfully? So it's yeah. a very very interesting debate. I'll get your initial take on this, and then we'll move on to the other piece of news that's rocked the world. Well, it's very unfortunate, very sad news, and very sad news that uh, obviously, um, you know, you know, the Australians won't be, and the New Zealanders won't be able because of you know safety concerns, uh, won't be able to travel to to England. You know, it's uh, obviously it's a, it's a big situation there. You know, unfortunately, this year we didn't have you know any athletes representing Wimbledon. Oh wait, we did. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> right, you know, and, and only a couple of weeks ago. So uh, let's not yeah, forget. Uh, at the same time, the the Wallabies are going to go over there, and the All Blacks to play some games. So yeah, yeah, so, that's the other thing. Yeah, there you go. So in, in many ways, like you know, it is it is disappointing, and and I I kind of feel like um, using uh, using a very serious uh, sort of situation in the world as an excuse to. Uh, to not do something is it, it isn't it isn't quite uh, the right thing to do, particularly when there's all reports that a lot of players actually want to play. Um, and I think even Tamalolo has come out and said that he's traveling no matter what, he's going uh, for Tonga. So, wow. um, you know, so uh, yeah, and there are other players. I know uh, the uh, Laurie Daly. I heard him say that the Aboriginal, uh, like you know, uh, council of like rugby league players. 
um, the majority of them who, who um, they all want to go. So, um, you know, so, so there's so many different things that are happening and I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's a done deal yet that, that a, there won't be some representation from Australia and New Zealand. Um, but probably my biggest outrage is then to hear Michael Maguire and Mel Meninga suggest that, okay, well, since we won't be going up there, we'll have a Australia versus New Zealand test match in Australia at the end of the year, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, which is, I think is, yeah, uh, like super offensive, right? <laughs> you know, but anyway, but that's, there you go. But look, it makes um, no sense. Yeah, it it's, no that's sense absolutely ridiculous. But I'm look, sure we'll get, dig into more, a bit more, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll dive into this and another one coming up as well. But uh, another piece of news that shocked Rugby League is Roger Tuivasa-Shek has uh, has decided to leave the NRL early. He's been released from his contract with the Warriors. He He's a 28-year-old. Uh, he's told his teammates that his NRL career had come to an end due to the COVID-19 travel regulations. Um, he's planning to return home to New Zealand before the government over there pauses its travel bubble with Australia. So I guess he figured, um, you know, in his final year at the club, that let's not forget he was in his final year of the club, he already signed a two-year deal with the Auckland Blues, which is a rugby union team. Uh, so he's already lost to rugby league, unfortunately, and given what's happened, uh, he figured, well, you know, he doesn't know how long this lockdown will continue to go on for or when he will get an opportunity to get back to his family in New Zealand. Um, look, I don't blame him because <laughs> um, I think uh, by doing this, uh, requesting an early release, it means that he can settle back into New Zealand and then prepare for essentially, uh, you know, his new kind of sport that he's going to next year. Now, interesting comments were made by uh, by the Warriors saying, look, you know, when you look at the situation and the fact that there's uncertainty, uh, you know, if he was to miss this uh, flight home before the the travel bubble between New Zealand and Australia uh, gets paused, then he could be looking at you know several months until he can go back. He could go back to see his family. Mm. So, all right, when you look at it that way. Um, and and also the comment was was not just that it could be several months, but also that you know this way gives him some time to sort of settle in and prepare for his next next role. So which was interesting because I thought this is probably the first time I've heard someone saying um, you know a, a, a current employer saying we we care about you having good rest for your next employer. <laughs> that, yeah. that to me was a bit unusual that comment, but. Uh, having said that, uh, I think it shows that there's a bit of heart there uh, in the management over there at the Warriors. And I think in this case, I think it makes sense. I think the Warriors have had to sacrifice so much. And mm. look, he's already lost to rugby league, which is a big shame. But let's 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 not forget the massive impact uh, RTS, as we call him, has had on the game. Um, yeah. You know, unfortunately, he could have been a, a real kind of linchpin of this uh, of the New Zealand side in, in the upcoming World Cup. But that's not to be. So they're going to have to look elsewhere for inspiration and leadership. Um, so very sad to see him go. Uh, Tish, what are your thoughts about RTS leaving leaving early and leaving Rugby League? Well, I, I think um, the Warriors, um, they've probably made the right decision. I mean, he wasn't going to be here for the for next year anyway. They're probably not going to make the final, so it's probably a good time to maybe um, yeah. get, a, get a new player in. Plus, probably all of the Warriors squad is also thinking about how they're going to 
get back home as well um, mm. at the end of this season because obviously they've had a, a very long extended stint in Australia. So, you know, I, I think that's probably where their compassion is is born out of. Mm. Uh, and look, Roger has been a great player. He was a great player for the Roosters. I think he won a premiership when he was at the Roosters or, or played yeah. in the grand finals. Yeah. And probably his time at the Warriors, although he's been a Dali M medal winner, Probably the team hasn't had the success they would like to have. I think that's a, you know, I think, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect him. It's not on him. It's about the whole squad and everything like that. Um, but he's definitely a world-class, he was a world-class full, uh, fullback. And, um, yeah, it was kind of unfortunate that um, his stint in the Warriors didn't see more success than what they could have seen. But it could be a good opportunity, once again, for the Warriors to sort of, um, as I said, like, you know, um, bring in the next next generation of Warriors who may turn out to, to have better success. And, uh, yeah, so obviously, Roger, you know, you, you've had your time and, uh, you know, uh, probably nobody will be watching you in Rugby Union because it is quite boring to watch, but, you know, <laughs> all good, all good. So, yeah, so uh, I suppose all the best for Roger to have asked share. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so the next big piece of news is about uh, Rugby League uh, potentially being put forward uh, as a new sport in the Brisbane 2032 Olympic Games. So the other big piece of news in the Olympics world, I think, I don't know if this was uh, this mm. came about after our last podcast, but is that Brisbane uh, in a one-horse race won, <laughs> won the bid to uh, <laughs> to get the 2032 Olympic Games. Um, and... Uh, Given given that it's coming to Brisbane, uh, there's been calls for you know a lot of people think rugby league, uh, the home of rugby league, is Brisbane in terms of uh, you know the capital of rugby league in the world. Um, you know we talk about Suncorp Stadium and and the the massive crowds that they get there and the support that they get there. So and of course Queensland in state of origin. So there's been a lot of talk about um, you know this is an opportunity for rugby league to be introduced. So International Rugby League chair, Chairman Troy Grant has said that getting rugby league nines in the Olympics in time for Brisbane 2032 is a clear goal. Um, and uh, with plans to expand the World Nine circuit, which we've spoken about recently, uh, uh, which saw a World Cup play in Australia in 2019, of course, uh, Grant wants to press ahead with gaining IOC recognition in time for the 2032 Games. So, look, we're going to deep dive into that a bit later, what that means and, and what other options there might be. But, Tish, what are your first impressions of uh, of this piece of news about Brisbane getting the Olympics and rugby league possibly being put forward as a sport? Well, it would be great to see, but unfortunately, you know, um, this is impossible. You know, how do, how can we get players to uh, to not to play for their countries, right? You know, we just can't. We you know, the focus should be on the NRL and you know, NRL alone. You know, um, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, look, uh, it would be good to see, but I think we need to have a united front uh, across the International Rugby League board and everybody needs to agree that this is a goal that we want to reach. And um, I think the NRL and and Super League and, and Rugby League has shown that when when everybody comes together with one com- common goal, usually the out- outcome is actually pretty pretty great. And that's why, you know, we were able to get our sport started, you know, uh, quicker than, than any other sport out there. So, um, yeah, if, if everybody could come together, then I think this is definitely achievable 
um, and and definitely doable. And and you know, like I think it's um, you know, ninth uh, uptake has, hasn't just been in the traditional rugby league nations in the world. There's been parts of Europe that have also um, you know uh, taken care of it. That you know, the South South Pacific has always been very strong, and you know, even you know, I think just with you know the less amount of players needed, it's also going to allow some of these, um, you know, other countries, these fringe countries to also compete and potentially compete for a medal, right? So um, so it's not a lock. So I think all that stuff makes sense. Plus, you got to also think about the women's uh, rugby league side of it as well, right, where you've got, yeah. um, you know, the balance of power between Australia, New Zealand and England isn't actually, uh, isn't actually as uh, lopsided as what the men's are at the moment. And on top of that, um, I've also seen some really good results from the South Pacific nations in the women's rugby league as well, um, particularly PNG. So um, that would also be quite exciting to watch as well. So, look, I think all in all, uh, look, great news to hear that uh, you know the Olympics is coming back to Australia, and uh, with Brisbane and that strong connection with rugby league, you know, it would be great to see probably Brisbane's number one sport. Um, you know, showcase somewhere at the, uh, you know, sh- uh, yeah, some somewhere at the, you know, uh, during the Olympics in 2032. It's a long way away, but I, f- I feel like it's going to come quicker than what we expected it to come. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll deep dive a bit more into that later, but there's certainly a lot to, to unpack there. Uh, let's move on to tackle number two. So here we go. The round 19 wrap for the NRL. Here we go. All right, so um, several close games and uh, some blowouts. I think I'm feeling like this has become a standard thing nowadays in uh, post uh, six again world. Um, <laughs> so here we go. Uh, so the Canberra Raiders twelve beat the Eels ten. Quite disappointing as an Eels fan. Unfortunately, this is an opportunity missed. Uh, Roosters twenty eight. To eight over the Newcastle Knights. The Storm in a close one, 20 to 16 versus the Cowboys. The Rabbitohs, not so close, 60 to 22 against the Warriors. Um, the Seagulls, 44, Tigers, 24. Uh, Penrith, 18 to 12 over the Brisbane Broncos, another close one. The Titans, 32, flogging the Dragons, 10. And the Sharks, 44 over the Canterbury Banks and Bulldogs, 24. Tish, a uh, couple of surprises there. Our top two uh, contenders for the Premiership, the Storm and the Panthers, given a run for their money by the home Queensland teams, Cowboys and Broncos. What what do you make of that? Yeah, it is. Um, it, it it was interesting, and and actually, it was quite an exciting game to watch uh, Melbourne versus the Cowboys, and how the Cowboys sort of kept at it. Um, so that was quite interesting. Um, with yeah, the Brisbane game was also obviously very surprising considering where Brisbane are and where Penrith are. Um, you know, not having Nathan Cleary there, it's it's proving to be quite, uh, you know, it's it's certainly bringing Penrith back into the field a little bit. Um, although, you know, it could also be because obviously all the travel that's had to happen with all the New South Wales teams, um, maybe just getting adjusted to how, how it is up there. But, um, yeah, some really interesting uh, matches. But... Yeah, I've got to say, I probably enjoyed the Thursday night and the Friday night games the the most. Um, obviously, watching a close contest, they both came down right until the last, uh, you know, 
even with five minutes to go, you, you kind of didn't know who was going to win in, in, in either game. And um, yeah, um, unfortunately, you know, Canberra, they played well and I kind of felt that Parramatta could have won that game, but just couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't ice it. So um, yeah, some good games and it was refreshing a little bit, you know, because, you know, most score lines over the past few weeks have been similar to the Roosters and the Warriors, uh, so the Rabbitohs and the Warriors, right? 82 points scored. 60 to 22, like it's it's been a bit like that at the moment, but um, it's good to see that there are some games now that are getting a little close as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, and it was interesting to see that the storm wasn't uh, part of that um, uh, one of the mm. floggings. Uh, you know, usually we've come to expect them to just put on massive amounts of points. I wonder what this means. Maybe the the move to Queensland uh, is affecting some teams more than others. So. I wonder if that's the case, uh, or it could be the post-origin kind of uh, post-origin kind of blues a little bit. I don't know. Like maybe there's something going on there. But look, I don't, I'm sure the Storm and the Panthers will bounce back. Um, all right, so let's move on to a couple of the big issues we're going to talk about. So the first one is about this World Cup fallout. So here we go with tackle number three. We're going to talk about the World Cup. So, as we mentioned earlier, big fallout from the fact that Australia and New Zealand have withdrawn or they've stated their intention to withdraw from the Rugby League World Cup in October in England. And, uh, and, and yeah, so basically um, the, the latest is that the World Cup organisers have held an emergency board meeting to discuss the best way forward for the tournament. Um, the Kangaroos and Kiwis released a joint statement on Thursday confirming their withdrawal from this year's World Cup in England, citing that it is too unsafe to travel due to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and let's not forget, it was only like a week ago that we talked, to, or the week earlier, sorry, mm. that we spoke about uh, the World Cup organisers announcing that the tournament would go ahead. Um, so it's kind of, there's a couple of things to unpack there. Firstly, we get this news from the organisers saying it's going ahead, which I remember at the time we were thinking, uh, okay, <laughs> that's you know that's an unusual way to announce something that we expected to happen anyway. Um, it's kind of like saying you know it's a bit like you, you get you get a reminder uh, if you've got a meeting, <laughs> you know, don't forget there's a meeting on in an hour. Okay, that's you know is that it almost felt like they're kind of reminding us you know rugby league is still here. We're going to have a World Cup in October. Don't forget. But then to hear that two of the top teams are saying from the Southern Hemisphere are saying we're not coming, uh, a week after that that announcement was made that, yes, it's going ahead, it kind of tells me that it's a bit of a shambles in terms of the working relationship between the International Rugby League and Australia and New Zealand because it sounds like you don't go ahead and say – we're still on for this thing in October without confirming with everyone that's scheduled to be there that they're in agreement that it's still on, if you know what I mean. It was a bit weird, I think, that, you know, it took just one week for the Australians and New Zealanders to come back and say, no, we're not coming. Um, Yeah, so again, what's your take on that, Tish, in terms of does this show that there is a bit of a uh disorganization between or maybe a lack of uh, dialogue between the international uh administrators of the game and the australian and new zealand administrators of the game 
Yeah, I, I think it definitely clearly shows that um, they're obviously not on the same page. I know that the organisers, um, you know, have sort of, uh, you know, they've, they've put measures in place, security measures in place for the safety of the players. And and um, I'm sure, I don't know if they've actually tried to communicate. Well, I don't know how the communication between that and the NRL and all that has been um, because obviously, you know, they're, they're citing safety as kind of being the, the main catalyst for their decision. Um, but then here we are how, talking about the organisers, talking about, you know, how they've got, you know, quarantines in place, hotels in place, everything in place to ensure that play safety is going to be paramount. Um, so there's that. And, um, you know, there's another communication breakdown. I don't know if you wanted to get into it or not, but, you know, the RLPA is actually, you know, the Rugby League Players Association, they're actually hit out against the NRL. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. According to them, their members want to play in the uh, World Cup. Um, uh, yeah, and um, I think they even said, we've worked closely with the regular World Cup staff for some time now, and we are committed to continuing those uh, discussions regarding player health and safety protocols. We have an ob- obligation to advocate on behalf of all the players to secure the best possible terms and conditions for ongoing tournaments, and it remains. So, um, you know, they're still working with the... Uh, they're still work, working with the um, World Cup organisers to to allow play safety for you know players travelling from Australia and New Zealand, uh, regardless of whichever nation they play for. Um, so yeah, so and they they're, they're confident that the safety measures that they've been talking about is in place. So yeah, so there's there's the it feels like there is a you know a disagreement between the NRL and the players. Um, and then there's also a disagreement between, obviously, the NRL and the World Cup organisers. Um, so, yeah, so a big communication mess. And I think really the underlying issue is probably the power of the clubs in the NRL because I think the clubs are the ones that probably don't want their players to play. Um, you know, you had, um, uh, you know, like coaches like Ivan Cleary coming out and saying, you know, that, you know, he, you know, he, he understands the decision. I think you had Craig Bellamy say that. Um, but what was refreshing was actually Wayne Bennett. He kind of said that, you know, he feels that he doesn't have a right to tell his players where they can or cannot go. And, you know, for many players, this is a dream for them to play for their nation. So mm-hmm. um, he, he he doesn't see what the, the big fuss is all about. Um, but that's kind of Wayne Bennett as well, right? No, so. but also the current, the current likely captain, Daly Cherry Evans, actually came out and said he was also – surprised and I don't know if you use the word disappointed, I guess I'm paraphrasing, that that they weren't even given an option mm. to decide whether they want to go for safety reasons. So I think that's an interesting take because here is, uh, the you know, the organising body here is saying we're not going, whereas players are saying, hold on a minute, did you ask us? <laughs> Which, again, as you said, there's a, that's another issue is that the way the NRL speaks to its own players and the RLPA uh, it just seems like a mess, whichever way you look at it. Like people not not talking to each other, making decisions. Uh, you know, this at a time, and we'll talk about it, I guess, in the next tackle, this at a time when we're trying to advocate for this sport to be put on the Olympics kind of radar, yeah. it's, it's not a good look. In fact, it's kind of the worst look at the moment mm. to show, especially if, if Australia and New Zealand doesn't end up sending a team. And, and as you said, the RLPA is one example, Daily Cherry Evans, a bunch of coaches. There's been 
there's been quite a bit of fallout and let that's not even to say that online from what i've seen on the various uh you know on the twitter sphere and and other social media i i think it's fair to say there's uh, and also lots of articles written by proper journalists uh have really ripped into australia and new zealand and in particular the nrl clubs as you mentioned that it just comes across as self-interest uh, from from their perspective, which is very very disappointing. Um, it probably isn't the case, but there's no doubt that it looks that way, and and I think that's yeah. the main thing. And look, there's there's even been talk about well, yeah. It, let me just say, put this. It's it's nice in a in a way to kind of um, uh, hypothesize. Uh, you know, what could be a, a team that you could make up of Aussies uh, in playing at the moment in Super League in England that you could turn into an Australian team representing Australia. But the fact of the matter is you can't do that if the governing body has decided it's not Mm. sending a team. So what you'd be doing essentially is sending, you know, like we're seeing in the Olympics, a Russian Olympic committee team because the country Russia was banned, Um, you know. So you're still sending the athletes, but you're not doing it under the banner of that nation and essentially that's what you'd be doing here if you had any other teams representing australia and new zealand so there's been some ideas uh i don't know who it was on twitter and and others on social media have taken it up saying uh you know why not send it's an opportunity opportune time to send an australian aboriginal or sorry indigenous team and a new zealand maoris team to represent those countries uh i I'm all for it in general, but in this case, I think, again, all it means is that it's not a sanctioned team for that nation. And so what happens at the beginning of the, uh, you know, can you play the national anthem for a non-sanctioned nation nation team representing a nation? Not really. So I think this is this is a tough situation here. It's Like I said, it's good to hypothesise, but I think... Uh, you know, what would a, a, an a, uh, Aussie expats in Super League uh, and Kiwi expats in Super League look like? You've got some really big players there. You've got, in the Kiwis, you've got um, players like Cassiano, although I think Cassiano's played for Samoa um, recently as well. We've got Sean, uh, Sean Kenny Dow, um, yeah, and a few others, Darcy Lussick, etc. And for Australia, you've got, uh, you know, look, put it strike strike the re- through the rest the main one is Blake Austin is he available because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. no, if he, he if he plays we win the world cup <laughs> I, that's what i say but look <laughs> all jokes well, well, so i think yeah sorry i was just going to say the big talk is is that um they um the Mary team and the the Mary All-Stars team as well as the Australian All-Stars team i think they're both uh looking at their options to actually go um if you remember uh, when Tonga beat Australia, it wasn't actually Tonga who beat Australia technically. It was the Tongan Invitational team, um, yep. so which was sanctioned by the, uh, the the International Rugby League Committee. So I think in the same way, this is probably potentially something that they're looking at. Um, okay, so so they would be sanctioned by the international body, even yep. though the even though the actual national body doesn't necessarily sanction the team so i guess the question is what would happen what's the fallout if players like what's the fallout say dudley cherry evans and Te- and james sadesco decide i want to go uh to represent us and i'm willing to go what would be the consequences for them back home you know because they subverted the will of the arlc 
you know, that's that's the key question, right? Because I mean, you know, whenever you're going against the Say yeah, there, there must be consequence. So I guess that's the other thing is that what are players being told about, you know, well, we're not sending a team, but feel free to go. <laughs> you know, like that's that would be kind of a contradictory message from Australia and New Zealand. So I just wonder, yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, is, is there a possibility for them to be sanctioned in some way once they return? Yeah, uh, there probably is. Um, well, here's the thing. I mean, are you an NRL player for 365 days of the year, right? Like, because they there is that eight week down period that you're supposed to have, right? Um, so does it come out of that? You know, um, you know, like because I, I think that's the whole thing about them being in, coming in time for the preseasons to start and all that kind of stuff. It goes back to the fact that the NRL season is like just way too long, right? So. Um, yeah, the, the interest, you know, I, I kind of, um, it, the reason why it looks like it's all self, you know, you know, the self-interest of the NRL clubs, because I think it, that's exactly what's behind it. Right. Um, uh, to the point where at the start of the year, the media campaign for the NRL was defy impossible, right? Where you really can't, uh, say no to the world cup and have your logos defy impossible, and uh, to be honest, there's no Defy Impossible no longer on the NRL website anymore. Um, <laughs> really? So, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, like, to uh, have State of Origin, to keep the NRL competition going, you know, we've, they've put in so many different measures just to make it work. And I just kind of feel that we're talking about a 25-round season. We're talking about three representative games. Over in England, each nation will have to play probably a maximum of six games if they go to the grand final. So, you know, the fact that they are saying no to being able to organise it, it, it kind of shows me that it's not really the COVID crisis. Um, I mean, I feel like that's just the front. That's the scapegoat for the ultimate, the ultimate, which is like, we really don't want our players playing in this tournament because we're afraid that they will get injured. We're afraid that they won't be able to come back in time during. Um, you know, uh, during the off season, um, you know, it, it, it's it's more coming out of that type of fear rather than actually, you know, what this is an opportunity to, um, you know, for rugby league to di- diversify. Um, you know, obviously it's going to to England. It's um, you know a, a World Cup. You know, any type of world event, it doesn't just uh, not it's it doesn't just interest the people that are uh, competing, but it's also you know, other other nations kind of think, well, is rugby league in my country or not? You know, this year we would have had Jamaica for the first time coming into mm-hmm. the Rugby League World Cup, right? Yeah. So it's an opportunity to celebrate that the the fact that the game is growing internationally. You know, um, you know, think about it. We come, we we're in Australia, don't have Australia playing in the Euro twenty twenty, but we're all watching the Euro because, um, you know, it's a global event, that type of thing. You know, so I think, I th- I think it's a real, um, it's real disappointing because. The big picture should be let's grow the game internationally so there's more. And I remember PVL talking about reaching out to like you know multicultural Australia and having more and more other um, you know nationalities compete. But at the same time, he's been very vocal and very strong against this World Cup. You know, ever since the ARL uh, you know has has made this this decision. And and frankly, I I feel like it's a bigger backflip than DCE has ever done. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a huge yeah. backflip on what the ethos has been, which is, you know, let's defy the impossible, let's do whatever it takes. 
you know, we have, uh, you know, we have this goal in mind. We don't know how we're going to get there, but we'll do it. I mean, why, why isn't this passion there for the World World Cup? You know, um, it can't be played next year. I know that there's um, um, there, there's various reasons, but I think one of the reasons could actually be that there's a forty six million dollar grant that the Rugby League World Cup received to ensure that the uh, World Cup runs this year. So, um, and that's why it will be a profitable enterprise for everybody. Um, so you lose that money straight away. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I, I just feel that there's like um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes, but I, but I feel like the NRL's decision, um, yeah, maybe it's just my emotions talking, but I, but I feel like it's very, um, yeah, I feel like it's the clubs that are at fault, and um, yeah, good on Wayne Bennett for actually going out there and actually speaking the truth, you know, like uh, in this COVID era, civil liberties has been kind of, you know, the the thing that nobody's really thought about, right? Like, um, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you put all these uh, sanctions on people, um, at the same time you have to allow them some sort of civil liberty or some sort of way outside of it or else people are going to go insane because they lose that liberty, right? And uh, I feel the NRL players feel that way. You know, they've, uh, they're locked up and if they want to go and play in England, go and play in England. I, I don't see why the NRL uh, should have the right to stop that. Yeah, and this comes on the back of the 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 late decision to move the whole tournament to uh, the whole competition, sorry, to uh, Queensland, mm. uh, the NRL this year. So I guess players are over it in a way, potentially, and maybe that's why we're getting a bit of a backlash there. But look, I think you're right with what you said earlier, which is I think this isn't over yet. <laughs> I get the feeling that there's going to be with some of the backlash, especially there's going to be lots of discussions behind closed doors we're not hearing about. Uh, on this side of the media, uh, that that eventually the media will kind of uh, tell us and we'll, we'll find out what's happening. But definitely sort of comes across as, um, you know, watch this space because uh, one way or another, I think, uh, you know, there will be an Australian and New Zealand representation there. Um, whatever it looks like, I think we will get that happening. Uh, there has been talk, just before we wrap up, there has been talk about um, potentially the World Cup should just go ahead without Australia and New Zealand, not bother to try and lure them back in, not to not bother to try and convince them to change their mind because what this does is that it gives two other countries an opportunity to to put a team in. But the problem that I see is that you're talking about two of the best teams getting out. It's not just two yeah. of any team. So essentially it's like saying, you know, like would you what would you want to go watch, say, a soccer World Cup without you know, the likes of Brazil, France or Germany at the moment, you know, those kind of the, the teams mm. that are kind of up there or in this case, Italy and England, you know, if if a few of those those countries decide, no, we're not going to the next World Cup for whatever reason, uh, it will be a bit of a hollow victory for whoever picks up that trophy at the end of the tournament. So um, as much as it would be a great story to see, you know, say Tonga, lift that trophy if if it's not over the likes of australia or new zealand <laughs> uh you know it would feel like you know it was it was a bit of a, a bradbury moment you know <laughs> the 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 leaders fell over and you just happen to be there um so that's that we don't want that i think so i think all of these uh discussions need to sort of consider that if if the rugby league world cup organizers decide to go ahead uh, without australia and new zealand that it would be uh 
there, there will be consequences for that as well, which we may not want, you know, the legitimacy of the tournament as representing the best of the best around the world is going to be undermined. And I think that's another key thing for them to worry about. So, um, yeah, so with that being said... Um, look, look, one final yeah. point. Um, this, yeah. decision, this decision just doesn't affect the NRL clubs and the NRL players. It also affects uh, women's rugby league because um, yeah. know, the women won't be able to go over and the wheelchair rugby league as well, which is also part of the World Cup this year, which I think it's the first time they're doing that in conjunction with it. So... It's yeah. So let's not. It's not just about the professional NRL, uh, you know, teams. It's about other people who sacrifice so much, you know, to to try and be at the World Cup. Um, you know, like you know the wheelchair as well as the women. So, you know, it's a big decision and and, and it affects a lot of people. So let's hope that there is a U-turn in this uh, situation, but not too sure if we'll get one. Yeah. All right, let's move on to tackle number four. This one's about the Brisbane Olympic Games. Here we go. So as we mentioned earlier, last week Brisbane was announced as the host uh, of the 2032 Olympic Games, uh, that is 11 years away, and uh, straight away there were some very interesting uh, discussions and uh, and points being made about, you know, what could we do to take this opportunity to actually introduce rugby league as a uh, as an Olympic sport. We've already seen there's rugby sevens, and so some people are saying, uh, in fact, yeah, as we said earlier, the International Rugby League. Uh, Chairman Troy Grant said uh, he wants to really push for rugby league to be recognised and to meet all the criteria, which will take a while um, because some of the criteria include, you know, it needs to be played in 40 nations or so and and all this sort of stuff. So uh, there's there's still quite a bit to go to get to that criteria for inclusion in the game. So there is, look, there's a goal. There's an end goal there and there are people willing to put a plan together to make it happen, I think it will be brilliant if we could get rugby league represented somehow in the games. Um, there, uh, and I, th- I thought what we could do is have a bit of a discussion—not uh, so much of a debate, but a bit of a discussion about whether the whether there should be a rugby league bid for inclusion in the games. Uh, I'm falling on the side of I think it should. Uh, I think there's been a lot of naysayers online talking about. Um, how rugby league is not really an international sport. I know there's some legitimate discussions and concerns about um, the the actual, uh, the truth around uh, w- what is the stance of rugby league? How does it stand compared to other international sports? And I listen and, and, and observe what people say about that. Um, you know, yes, we, we're not, I don't think we, especially us two, I don't think we would ever overhype the, 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 uh, the proper place of rugby league at the moment. However, I think we're pretty much in agreement, Tish, that we all agree, everyone probably listening to this would agree that um, we all want more for rugby league. We want rugby league to be seen by more people. It's such a great game when it's played uh, with such passion. We've seen it happen. We've seen it done right in so many ways. And I think what we want is for others to see that, you know, ideally I want to see what some of 
um, some of what I've seen in soccer. Uh, you know, we love we love soccer, other sports as well that we we enjoy that have an international presence and. Uh, we would kill to have the kind of international presence that that they would have. I mean, can you imagine having a, the sort of variety and uh, competition, say in Europe, that you could actually host a European Championship with all sorts of different clubs, uh, you know, that have their own domestic leagues that they're, you know, rather than just the one league that they're all gravitating towards. So there's a lot that can be said about the standing of rugby league and how what we can do to improve it. As an international sport, I do think genuinely we have a, a presence and such opportunity in the South Pacific. Uh, we've already cornered the market in Australia and and have a bit of a presence in New Zealand. England needs to be improved. There's a lot of European countries that are building. So there's there's a lot of opportunities, I think, for us to actually get on the front foot in this uh, quest to be recognised as an IOC sport. Um but, uh, but yeah, so, look, there's a couple of other points, but I thought I'd stop on that one for now. Uh, Tish, what are your thoughts on that in terms of uh, just your general kind of thought about should, uh, you know, what's the standing of international rugby league and is this the right mechanism to get us to improve rugby league internationally to get it onto the Olympics radar? Yeah, look, I, th- I think this is a good win for look. I think, you know, I think the first the first thought that came into mind when I heard that Brisbane is a 2032 was actually who's going to light the uh, the torch right? Um, <laughs> because you think from a Brisbane point, like from a Queensland point of view, you know Queenslanders they love to have their own in there, right? So they're not going to pick somebody from New South Wales or somebody from like an athlete from. So they're going to pick somebody who's like a Queenslander to do it, right? Um, so the only one I can think of is Kieran Perkins, right? Um, but he's not really known for his running, so. You know, they're probably going to have the king. Like, you know, you know, like Muhammad Ali, right? He kind of did it at the Atlanta Games. I mm. figured that they're probably going to get a rugby league player somehow involved in the whole Olympics thing anyway. And that just, that got me thinking about, yeah, look, can we see rugby league, maybe not as an exhibition, exhibition sport, but an actual sport in, in the, um, you know, in, you know, in the Olympics, people might say, well, you know, it's very close to, uh, it's very close to like rugby, like rugby sevens. You know, uh, you know, league nines, but there are a lot of sports that are very similar to each other, right? Like, you know, for example, freestyle and backstroke, right? It's the same thing, but you're doing it in a different way, right? Um, mm. But it's two different sports, it's two different uh, things. So, you know, so so you know, so, so I think I think there is room for it. Um, yeah, so I th- I, th- I think that's great. There is a, obviously a lot we'll need to do. Like, I don't think it's going to be easy. Um, but as you said, yeah, if we could get England, um, you know, improving, if we could still grow the game, uh, you know, from from a European point of view, I think all that stuff will will, will need to happen. Yeah, so um, to the point that we could get between, um, yeah. Do you know what the criteria is for the ISA team to consider you? I'm uh, not really sure. Um, I can look it up, but I think uh, look, some of it's got to do with the, the number of nations. Um, uh, that that compete. I'm um, just quickly look. Google is my friend. Let's see. Uh, sport must be widely practiced ooh, by men in at least 75 countries and on four continents, and by women in no fewer than 40 countries and on three continents. Oh, so wow. some of it's got to do with yeah the the reach um, of uh, of of the sport. So that's interesting. Maybe the anyway. That's just a uh, 
maybe that there's more specific criteria and ways to get around it. But look, we have spoken about this before mm. uh, many, many times that, that, that there were opportunities to do that. But I think the problem that I see is that, yeah, International Rugby League is not well run. And when we have, as we spoke about earlier, um, the NRL – uh, really uh, just putting club interest first over the growth of the international game, this is where we end up. We end up with a situation where we're not actually growing the game internationally. And so here is a prime opportunity to put forward a sport that we know is like the number one sport in this state, uh, in the state of you know Queensland. And, and Brisbane is known for being you know the home of rugby league in terms of uh, well, in many ways you cut it. So why wouldn't you do everything you can as an Australian or uh, organiser or administrator of, of rugby league to push for an international presence, greater international presence? You know, um, some are doing it. So we've got, you know, coaches like Trent Robertson who are actually putting their money where their mouth is and actually, uh, you know, coaching France, I think. So, you know, there are others who are doing the same. And, and so there's some interest in the sporadic way. But in terms of the actual organisers and administration, it's still there's the perception still that it's still serving their own uh, club interests rather than the growth of the game, which is kind of ironic because I kind of thought that was the reason why the commission was brought into being is to avoid this uh, club first kind of mentality. Um, but you said also as well that uh, the nines being similar to the sevens and how, you know, I've I got to agree with you. I think that's, that shouldn't be a, a deterrent to including mm-hmm. uh, the nines. I think uh, to me it's akin to, uh, you know, I mean, you look at some of the sports, I mean, skateboarding. I, I mean, are you really telling me that there's <laughs> there's that many sports worldwide, uh, that many nations worldwide that, that have skateboarding as a – serious kind of competitive sport maybe there maybe there are i don't know but i would hesitate to say that you could probably if the criteria and the threshold for uh yes this sport is played legitimately in this country is met by sports like skateboarding surely you could find you know rugby league presence in lots of countries surely this isn't an issue if that's the main thing yeah. uh, surely there's probably more to it than there's probably a need to actually get some sort of legitimate administration and all that kind of thing in which case again <laughs> if we are disorganized as a sport we are just shooting ourselves in the foot i mean the more the more that you have administrators you know like ultimately why not have like a centrally administered uh, international game and have, um, you know, almost have uh, kind of uh, representatives uh, plonked into different countries uh, and call them the administrative body. And then there you go. You've already got the – you've got as many nations as you need because uh, there's, there's certainly games being played across many countries. We've been talking about it for years, uh, that there's lots of uh, European nations that have – clubs that are sprouting up everywhere and all this sort of stuff surely that counts towards that number that the isc needs so yeah um but the other thing that's been touted i want to get your views on is nines or what about touch football do you think touch football could be uh the representative of rugby league in a way yeah well uh now that's interesting too because touch football if you get that widespread i feel like it's something that happens all over the world 
anyway, right? I think it's kind of almost a very natural thing, right? Well, even like tag football is kind of very similar sort of, I mean, I'm not talking about, yeah, well, Oztag is one part, but even, you know, I know even when they sort of play like, they kind of play touch footy everywhere. That's what I'm trying to say. Something yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Bill is there. And it is definitely um, not just men and women. You know, you've got men, women. You probably even have mixed teams as well. You can do quite a, quite a lot of things there. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And then um, you know, we, bu- we bought up the Wheelchair World Cup, but, you know, the Paralympics is a kind of a separate body. So there's also that mm. – um, you know at that that way of covering it in uh you know in in the Paralympics too you know and yeah um, absolutely yeah look i'm looking i'm looking at the yeah if i look at some of these other sports that are in here right so if you t- take something like sailing right well there are a lot of landlocked countries in the world they're not going to be exposed to sailing right like but you don't need water to play rugby league <laughs> like do you know what i mean so <laughs> I think we've got better chance than them, really. And even something like mountain biking, you know, there's a lot of flat countries out there. They have no mountains. Where, where are you going to cycle, you know? Um, my, look, I guess my my issue is not that those sports are not played in those countries. It's, it's the fact that the criteria is it's got to be some – it's got to be played – is it competitively? Is it does it have? Do yeah. you need some sort of level of professionalism in the governing body of that sport? You know, I mean, look, we've seen, yeah, I mean, in terms of some of the sports that are, let, um, let, we're talking about the Olympics here, Doctor T. If we <laughs> want to be there, we need, uh, we need, we need, we need to offer a bribe. Oh, okay. We need to find. We need, we need to get somebody who's very wealthy, um, you know, in love with rugby league to the point that they'll they'll bribe the committee. I mean, really, that's how some of these sports got in here. Like, there's, I mean, like you could, like you might as well just say, it. like we're we're tap we're tip tapping around the issue, but this is what the issue really is, right? It's um we don't really have that high profile, uh, you know, uh, that we need to try and get there, you know. Um, we're behind canoe Salem when it comes to that. Yeah, that's that's a when you look at it that way, it's kind of depressing. But <laughs> do we need do we need the international presence of Russell Crowe mm. to uh, to push us over? Does he need to be? Does he need to reprise his uh, gladiator costume and say, you know, get get Joaquin Phoenix there and look? What do we need? I mean, we surely we need someone to to mm. get in there and, and put on a bit of a show for the International Olympic Committee because that's how you win these Olympics. I mean, we know before Sydney got the Olympics, there was all this discussion about the yeah, uh, you know, I don't know if people remember that far back, but um, my goodness, the amount of stories that came out about how we got dudded in the previous occasions where we tried to <laughs> where Sydney tried to get the Olympics because of uh, you know. Um, dodginess shall we say and uh, i believe even there was uh yeah corruption and all that kind of stuff bribery um all these things and in fact they did actually go through a massive uh uh kind of integrity inquiry <laughs> which mm. showed that there was quite a lot of corruption and there were some heads that rolled because of it so um, but by that stage, it's too late because none of the decisions were revoked in terms of, uh, you know. So really, IOC is up there some in many ways with uh, uh, with FIFA as as kind of, you know, if you want to get yourself uh, uh, the the big the big dance, you need to uh, pull out all stops. And so I think what we need to do is 
Uh, we need to give uh, Russell Crowe a call. We need to give Hugh Jackman. I think he's, uh, mm. he's a big manly supporter. I think he, he needs to come into it. We need to just do, yeah, the get, get, all, get the Hemsworth there. Oh, that's right. He's in, oh, all the Byron Bay contingent. I mean, that's literally an hour or two away, uh, dry, an hour and a half drive from uh, Brisbane. So and- let's get a Byron Bay uh, contingent there. Uh, yeah. Hollywood contingent to push for it. So absolutely, good ideas. And, and somebody needs to convince Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who now owns the XFL, to um, to have a look at rugby league and potentially turn the XFL into a rugby league tournament. Good idea. Maybe that's mm. the X that they're looking for. Is uh, yeah, um, yeah. Because if you think about it, the NRL, ideas. is extreme American football. Absolutely. Well, and well, it's extreme rugby. <laughs> like it's yeah. Maybe that's what we should call it, extreme rugby. Look, uh, yeah. This is another thing is uh, we 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 do have that perception problem where people will go, but there's already a sevens game. Why would we need another rugby game? Uh, so again, that's we're going to have to battle those kind of stereotypes and perceptions. So, um, yeah. Look, that's I think that's a topic for another day. But I think. Uh, yeah, look, we are. Look, let's just recap. We are very much supportive of this this attempt to include rugby league in some shape or form in the 2032 Olympic Games. Uh, in my view, I think yeah, the nines is probably the best way to do it. Um, let's not forget, as you said, that it's not just uh, uh, you know touch football is also another option because we we've got the opportunity to to actually have mixed games, which is something that some of the other contact sports, you know, you don't see that in basketball or soccer or whatever. But in touch football, the mixed teams is uh, is a very, you know, it's a very common thing. And so maybe this is the opportunity to do that. I don't know how much of an international presence touch football has, but I think it has a pretty much wider one than rugby league, uh, the, the the full contact game. So there's an opportunity there. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, given what we've seen with the current Olympics in Tokyo, um, if some other sports <laughs> like skateboarding uh, can make it in, I see no reason why we can't um, – push for rugby league uh, you know its legitimacy as a sport is not questioned it's more just the fact how much of an international presence does it have and uh therefore you know uh going back to what we we're talking about earlier how how massive the forward fallout will be if australia and new zealand don't compete in this world cup this year so you know that's why we want to talk about both of those things today because they're both very closely related and i think uh you know if we're going to if we're going to be serious about this bid for the Olympics inclusion, we need to do something about the World Cup. So, anyway, any last thoughts before we move on? Well, let's hope we get there. That's all I can say. Let's live the Olympic dream like the torpedo. Another person we should get involved. That's right. Let's defy impossible. Yeah, the impossible thing of getting into the Olympics. So there you go. Uh, all right, here we go with uh, closer to home, a tackle number five. Here we go. So Tish, uh, what is happening in the world of referees? Okay, yeah, our our weekly rugby league referee talk. Um, <laughs> Uh, but this look, uh, you know, we'll probably haven't spent too much time talking about uh, one of the biggest frustrations in rugby league uh, that seems to happen from a fandom, as well as uh, players and supporters and 
definitely feel good. Um, but look, uh, Anna, you know, look, uh, Graham Annesley, the head of coaching, head of football, um, you know, he uh, was basically, you know, in his latest sort of uh, webinar that they do every Monday, uh, went through the obstruction rule because it can be quite confusing. So um, Graham Annesley agrees the obstruction rule can be confusing for fans, but insists that the coaches are on board with the rules, uh, which a lot of coaches usually say they're not in press conferences, um, which helps the uh, minimises the involvement of lead runners. So, look, on the Friday night uh, game between Cowboys and Storm, there were two disallowed tries for two very different obstructions. And, um, you know, uh, you know, analyze, yeah, so, so if we think about that um, sort of game, you know, Annesley said that the NRL Bank was correct to overrule um, a try by North Queensland's Kane Bradley because Scott Drinkwater had received the ball on the inside shoulder of the lead runner, Shane Wright. However, Annesley also said that it was the wrong decision to deny Melbourne uh, Melbourne's Justin Allman try after the hooker Brandon Smith ran behind the prop Christian Welsh before passing to his centre. While in both cases, the lead runner ran through the defensive line and didn't contact any defenders, Annesley explained why, why the Cowboys' play was, you know, should be rightfully pull, pulled up. One of the primary indicators of obstruction, which was agreed, was uh, was basically the you know receiving the ball on the inside shoulder, so of the lead runner. So apparently, when that happens, it's always going to be obstruction. Um, yeah. So so yeah. But where in the other one, even though Brandon Smith ran behind his player, there was no physical obstruction to any. Uh, defensive player. So, but the thing that I've got to say is that, like, when you're sort of playing rugby league as a junior or when you sort of learn the rules, you kind of know you're not supposed to run behind your player, right? And you're not supposed to do that because that's going to be called as an obstruction or what they used to call in the day a shepherd, right? Um, but that's exactly what Brandon did. And uh, even though nobody seemed to be impeded, um, you know, um, it, it's you know it's it's no longer an obstruction. So this is where I think people get confused, right? I feel like the interpretation of the obstruction rule has been changed. I suppose, Doctor T, from your point of view, what is an obstruction and what isn't an obstruction? Uh, look, this it's interesting that this has come up because uh, I am now thoroughly confused. <laughs> like, if oh, you okay. look at the, if you look at the. Look, ultimately, it's about what's the point of this? If, if you look at we're discussing about someone catching it on the inside shoulder or outside shoulder, look, ultimately what this is about is that the the purpose of these rules or this rule as it's evolved over time is really about ensuring that there's no uh, – that you as a defender get an opportunity to tackle – the player in front of you, the player with the ball, and that you're not obstructed in any way by the opposition. So, you know, we talked, uh, jokingly talked before about the XFL and, and, you know, in the NFL, you've got, uh, you've got blockers blockers who can get in the way, push you out of the way and provide a clear path for, for a player to go through. This is a direct, (laughs) a rule that directly prevents that from happening. Why? Because, 
what you, you will see if that happens is just carnage. Basically, it would just be ridiculous and you wouldn't be able, you know, not to mention the, the, the chance of injury or that kind of stuff. But I think, so if that is the case, if ultimately this is about ensuring that the player, the, the defending player is not obstructed in any way, um, then I guess the issue of this inside shot, it's hard to explain this until you actually look at it. So uh, granted, it's a difficult thing to talk about on a, on a mm. podcast where there's no visual sort of thing to, to talk through the differences between even examples that you showed. It's hard until you see it. But I think this this is the problem, and maybe it's a more general problem that we have in the game, the fact that this rule exists and that it's not clear, is that you get these funny, what I would call a workaround rule. So this is a workaround rule. Oh, well, no, it's, gone, it's on the inside shoulder. We agreed now, Annesley says. We agreed with all the coaches. This is the agreement. And it's like, yeah, but the general person in the public doesn't get it. And there's still a lot of interpretation. I think what they're trying to do is remove interpretation. And so they're trying to come up with what's the indicator that will allow allow people to allow greater consistency. And so to say, you know, well, it's received on this shoulder or that shoulder, that's more likely to, it's just a tick, tick of a box. Well, it received there, it's a clear obstruction. Even though when you look at it, you think, well, the defending player doesn't look like they were obstructed. So, like, did they have an opportunity to tackle the player with the ball? That's the key thing. That should be the only question, I think. And as much as it is an interpretation, I think it's it's an interpretation that you can't codify into, oh, it's uh, this side or that side, you know, because sometimes what happens is you'll get, and you can't even have the other, the other extreme is where you just go, uh, well, anytime you run behind a player, it's obstruction. Well, no, that's not the uh, around your own player, sorry. Behind your own player, it's obstruction. Well, not really. I mean, we saw it even in, in Origin. Plenty of times where you're scrambling to get a ball and then you're running, you have to run sideways and you end up going behind some of your own players who then put their arms up and say, oh, no, I'm not in the way. Would you call all of those obstruction and give penalties against the uh, attacking team? I don't think so. So, again, it's about common sense. So I think this is a problem here is that we're trying to codify something that if you were to take the letter of the law there, you would get, um, you know, obstruction in other situations. Like I said, where situations where you're trying to scramble to get out of your own half or whatever and, and you you run sideways and you happen to run behind some of your players. Um, I wouldn't call those obstruction. And, and so, yeah, my view is, I think we're overcomplicating things and potentially we might need to have another look at whether it should just be a simple interpretation of uh, were there any players obstructed or, or were there any players prohibited from uh, being given an opportunity to tackle this player? And it should just be as simple as that and then take each case on their merits maybe. Uh, I don't know. That's my view, but I don't know if you think that's crazy, Tish, but um, I'm just getting sick of these uh, these convoluted rules that end up uh, – it ends up going in itself like a pretzel. Okay. <laughs> and it's not clear. Well, look, NRL laws and interpretations 2018, which is one I could find, in the obstruction I, – I think this is the problem when they write the rules, right? So. Um, so we'll talk about the, okay, so first, obstruction, and this is point two, uh, which is the ball carrier must not r- run behind an active block or flat runner, okay? 
So must not run, run behind, run, just must not run behind it, right? Which is what you talked about in every scenario, right? Yeah. And then there's a little and and disadvantage to the defensive line. So a you can you you can if you run behind the player and there's a disadvantage to the defensive line, it's an obstruction, right? The problem is, you know, what do you define as a disadvantage? Because yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you know, so that's the problem. So I think just get rid of the ants. Like I know you're saying that in some situations you got to, but just tell players that that they can't do that. Like you know, it's it's kind of like a head-eye tackle, right? And the whole thing about the inside shoulder thing, um, I don't know because I, with the inside shoulder thing, what I find is that um, if the if the def- I think it's up to the defensive line to cover the inside shoulder, if if that makes sense. Like I don't feel like they're ever disadvantage. I think they just read the attack the wrong way because the the part of defense is that when you're um, defending your line or defending any situation, you know, you need to try and figure out what they're trying to do and try and stop it before they do it. You know, that's 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 the whole objective of defense right there. So if you can't read the inside, the player, you know, coming, you know, getting receiving the ball from the inside line, if you make a bad decision, I think you've made a bad decision. I don't think the opposition has necessarily disadvantaged you by. Um, having the player receive that pass, right? But I think, yeah, yeah. But I think in the ball carrier running behind players, just get rid of the end, and I think we're done. Like you know, then players know not to do do it. Um, you know, and the other thing is like, and then, and I don't think if it's part of the same rule. But the other thing is, you just no attacking player can uh, can take out a defensive player. Yeah, and and that's covered there with the active sort of element there, which. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, there's there's a way to kind of <laughs> incorporate both of those things, which is maybe maybe the confusion is that you need to just separate them out. You can't have an active blocker, and you can't in any way disadvantage a defensive line. Yeah. Exactly. Basically, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, yeah, very interesting. But I I think uh, this is one of those things where uh, we we do need to kind of simplify things a bit further. Otherwise, we're going to alienate, you know. Uh, even in, I was just watching a little earlier the the rugby sevens in the World Cup. Uh, sorry, in the um in the Olympics, uh, Fiji and Australia. I was watching a little bit earlier tonight, and look, um, you know, I was just watching it, thinking this is a simple simple game. It's a sevens game. It's rugby, sure, but uh, and you know, I don't know what happened. The the Aussies went to ground. They were trying to pass the ball back. Penalty, Fiji. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. <laughs> <laughs> And and to someone who's a casual fan uh, who doesn't know the ins and outs of, of the laws of the game, I just thought, well, that makes no sense. What did they do? Anything harsh, Australia? Did they deserve to lose possession? Mm. What's what's going on? I didn't know what happened, and I'm sure there's a reason for it. But this happened a couple of times, and I thought I couldn't watch it. I was like, this is this is why I prefer rugby league because the 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 game is simpler. It's meant to be simpler. And I think that's the key. If we continue to confuse ourselves and the fans, we're going to alienate ourselves. We're going to become another relic of, of sporting history because, you know, let's not forget a lot of what we've done in the game to evolve the rules is to make it, to open up the game, make it exciting, be entertaining. Part of the entertainment thing is um, having simple rules and look, Let's not forget, you know, the, we. I know we're going to get some fans out there and people who we can't reach. 
you know, there are people out there who 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 can't follow soccer because they think it's too complicated. It's like really, <laughs> like I know there's some there's some nuances, new, nuances but, yeah. but for the most part, those nuances happen maybe once every hundred games. Yeah. But for the most part, it's pretty easy. You know, kick the ball to the goal. Maybe offside's a bit confusing, but it's the same thing here. I think if we can cut out all the fluff in terms of confusion, um, make it simple for people to understand. So you sit next to a layperson watching the game and you have to explain what an inside shoulder I, – to me, I, I don't remember learning about inside-outside shoulders. I remember left-right. <laughs> so mm. I think that's the, the anatomy. There's a left shoulder and a right shoulder. So yeah. I think the, the, better, the better way to explain it to people would be, oh, see, the reason why that, was, that penalty was given was because they blocked they, – they stopped the defender from tackling him. That's why. Yeah. Okay, simple. Yeah. Okay, great. And that's what we need to aim for. So yeah. that's my that's my last word. And I'll give you the last word, Tish, and then we'll move on to the next one. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, in the rules, it starts off obstruction. And then the next line is, the indicators of an obstruction include. include. And just the word indicators suggest that there's an issue, right? Because, like... <laughs> Like this isn't CSI. It's marketing speak. It's like yeah. the met- the metrics for obstruction. Exactly, exactly. We're not taking DNA samples to find the indicator of what could be an obstruction or not. You know, this is like it's not supposed to be that scientific. It's just supposed to be. Yeah. You a need rule. the mentalist. You, you could do this or you could do that. You know, like um, not like you've got uh, a referee out there who actually has to um. You know, okay, well, this happened, so that's an indicator that something might have gone wrong. You know, yeah, that's um, right. You know, and have to make a split second decision as well. Yeah, exactly. So they're just taking it too far. Like uh, it, it's <laughs> it's it's it, it, it's what's happened, and um, and um, I don't know. Somebody might get excited about it or something like that. But then, really, I think if you compound all these rules, like you, this rule compound with the six again, and just like how. You watch a game being one-sided, and you could just see that the other team have got no way of arresting the advantage back, and um, and if anything, it gets worse and worse and worse. Um, you know, like uh, you know, if you've had three, if you've had two or three sets at a, you know, within the opposition's half, you know, you've got such a great opportunity to just keep having the ball as much as you like. Really, there's so many different ways that you can get the ball back, right? Um, to the point where it's so hard for the defensive team, and you don't want to watch, you don't want to, you don't want to watch a team getting bullied, <laughs> right? But that's what it feels like when you're watching it. You know, you feel like one team has just got too much of an advantage of another. But look, I'm sure they'll fix these issues one day. <laughs> one day, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll listen to us. But uh, all right, all right yeah. let's move on to our last tackle. Uh, we're almost at the 80 minutes. Uh, <laughs> here we go with the tips for round 20. Here we go. So last week we got uh, we both got six out of eight, which uh, means I go up to ninety five points for the year, and you go up to eighty eight. Mm. Let's just launch right into it. Uh, let's go. Okay, so round twenty. Here we go. The tips for round twenty: Roosters v Eels. Um, I think this will be a close one. Uh, I think the Eels for mine. Yeah, I'm tipping the uh, Eels for, as well. Tigers v Warriors. Um, look. 
Warriors. I don't know how the RTS move will uh, news will shock them, but I think the Tigers will um, uh, will win in this one. Yeah, it must win the game for the Tigers. So the Tigers for me in this one. Broncos Cowboys in a local derby there of epic proportions. Okay. Cowboys will win this one. Well, I'm going to tip the Broncos. Um, so I've got them winning two weeks in a row now, I suppose. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. The uh, Dragons and Rabbitohs. Look, I think the Rabbitohs will flog them. Mm, yeah, look, I, yeah, I think so too. I think the Rabbitohs are going to be too strong here. Knights v Raiders. Now, the, the, I think the Knights will bounce back, but I think the Raiders are in form at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think the Raiders are in form, and I think uh, Newcastle... Um, a sort of not yeah, they're teething away somehow. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why. Yeah, uh, Storm v Panthers. Look, both of them came away with very narrow victories against the Cowboys and the Broncos, respectively. Uh, but I think, look, oh, I don't know. I'm I'm going to tip an upset. I'm going to tip the Panthers, uh, even though they uh, well, will they have Cleary? I'm not sure. But um, look, it's going to be. A struggle for them either way, mm. but I think I'm just wondering whether the Storm have lost a bit of momentum. So I'm thinking a top of the table clash. We may see the Panthers come out on top this time. Yeah, look, both had tough games, but I'm going to pick the Storm um, because I felt like, um, yeah, their performance. Yeah, I just think that they've been able to defy the impossible a few times, and we'll see them <laughs> do it again. Yeah. All right, uh, Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs versus the Titans. Uh, Titans will win this one easily, in my view. Yeah, I think the Titans will win this game, but probably closer than what a lot of people expect. All right, and the Sharks and the Seagulls. Uh, Seagulls for mine. I think they're in winning form and they'll do very well. This is at the Redcliffe Dolphins Stadium, so it's kind of interesting too. Mm. Yeah, so I'm going to tip uh, all this. I'm tempted to go. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to go the Sharks. Um, oh, there you go. It, 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 yeah, it, I think a lot more is on the line for them than what's on the line for Manly, and I think that's going to be enough for them to kick it into gear. All right. Well, that wraps up our epic podcast today. Thanks very much, Tish, for the interesting discussions about the Rugby League World Cup and the Olympics and other things as well. Uh, hope you enjoy uh, the rest of the Olympics or at least the next week until we talk next time. Tish, uh, over to you to wrap this up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening out there. But that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.